New data published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that a ketamine nasal spray performed better than an existing drug for treatment-resistant depression. The results suggest that ketamine could become a first-line treatment for the hard-to-treat condition. This is Pulse Check. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. A bipartisan group of lawmakers on the Ways and Means Committee say a CMS proposal to identify poorly performing hospices lacks key data, echoing concerns by major hospice associations. The lawmakers wrote to CMS and the Office of Management and Budget to argue that under the proposal, CMS couldn't adequately assess poorly performing hospices because survey data is often incomplete. Instead, the lawmakers say that CMS should return to expert panel recommendations and that it should eventually provide hospices a preview of their rankings. The FDA needs to more directly engage the media and trusted messengers to convey science and policy information to combat misinformation directly, an independent group supporting the agency said in a report released Thursday. FDA Commissioner Robert Califf tasked the Reagan-Udall Foundation to put together the report to study how information on FDA-regulated products is perceived. Califf has made fighting mis- and disinformation a top goal at the agency as it emerges from the COVID-19 pandemic. And tuberculosis cases are increasing dramatically in New York City amid a staffing crisis in TB clinics. Maya Kaufman is here to share with us details of her latest story. Thanks so much for having me. So you did this great investigation and you reported that New York City is experiencing a rise in tuberculosis cases this year. And I just want to go over the basics first. Tuberculosis in New York, I thought that was not a condition we often saw in the U.S., Yeah, exactly. That's a really common misconception. We do still have TB in the U.S., and New York City actually has had consistently one of the highest rates if you're looking at per 100,000 people in the entire country. And it's been successful in getting cases to a pretty low rate, but we've never had zero TB. It's pretty consistently been a low level but still existent for a number of years in New York City since the last big spike in TB, which was the late 1980s, early 1990s, just around the time of the AIDS epidemic. So what is leading to the spike in cases now? So right now, we have seen about 500 cases of active TB infection in New York City so far this year. That's up about 20% from the same time last year. So that's a pretty significant increase. And experts see that in part as a rebound from COVID when there wasn't a lot of diagnosis and treatment happening of TB. So that's a contributing factor. But what has been surprising is I spoke to one expert who said that this data really shows numbers that surpassed their expectations beyond just that COVID rebound that everyone had expected. So there's a couple of things that could be going on. We know that one aspect of this is that we are screening a lot more people right now for TB because with the arrival of over 100,000 migrants to New York City, those people who are coming into the city's intake system are all getting screened for TB. So there's an aspect of there just being more screenings. But also, if you think about what can cause TB to spread, this is an airborne disease. When you have an active TB infection is often in your lungs and you're 
screening this population of migrants for TB and then temporarily housing them in large congregate settings with low ventilation. So that's really creating a perfect storm for TB to spread. If it activates, you can have it just living dormant in your system. The kind of thing that can activate TB is exactly the kind of thing that the migrants have had to experience. This perilous journey to the U.S. is a huge stressor on your body. It can weaken your immune system. If you've had COVID recently with COVID circulating, that can be another factor. And then you're put in this setting where they're crowded with all of these other people. There's not that much ventilation that really can be a massive contributing factor to TB's spread. So your reporting showed that the city's Bureau of Tuberculosis Control seems to be understaffed to handle this growing caseload. Can you talk about a little bit more about what your reporting showed and what New York officials are doing to strengthen tuberculosis monitoring and treatment capacity? The Bureau of TB Control in New York City definitely is understaffed. There's widespread vacancies is what three employees told me. And they spoke to me on the condition that of anonymity because they were basically asked not to speak to me. We do have a sense of the number of people there should be. They're budgeted to have 151 people, plus there's a handful of grant-funded positions beyond what the city funds. But that's way down from what we've seen at previous peaks. We've seen staffing kind of zigzag over time, depending on whether cases have been high, and then go back down when cases were down, (laughs) to kind of echo that. And then that then creates the self-perpetuating cycle of the staffing is down, cases tick back up, there isn't as much capacity to handle the cases, they have to retroactively staff back up the unit. We don't really have a sense of how many vacancies there are right now, because the city health department wouldn't give me data on that. Anecdotally, I had been told that there are vacancies across a number of roles. We're missing the doctors who see patients, the x-ray technicians who perform x-rays, the epidemiologists who track cases on the back end, the case managers who interview patients and look at close contacts, so really across the board in a range of roles. And so that's left them really struggling to handle this uptick. What happens if New York City fails to get this uptick under control? And are there other steps being taken locally or nationally to get ahead of a larger resurgence of tuberculosis? As one expert put it to me, the big issue here is that New York City really tends to be a bellwether for the rest of the country as far as infectious disease goes. We saw that with COVID, and it is possible, certainly, that we're seeing that again with TB. So what New York City is seeing shouldn't be taken as an anomaly. It should be taken as a kind of warning of what could be happening in other places or might already be happening in other places if we don't take this seriously and really make sure that we have adequate resources to deal with this to make sure that patients are getting diagnosed and getting treated quickly before the disease is able to spread to more people. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your reporting with us. This is awesome, Maya. Of course. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese and Alex Keeney are our senior producers. Kara Tabor is an editor for Pulse Check. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. <laughs>